0: My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching.
1: Welcome to Home Group. It's Tuesday, and we're so excited to be here. It's me, Denise, Paul, and Joel. The only one missing is Philip Renner. Where is Philip Renner?
2: I think he's in America traveling.
1: He's doing what he's
2: supposed he to be doing. He is ministering. We just speak
1: a blessing to Philip and Ellie in the name of Jesus. Amen. But hey, tonight we're going to pick up where we left off last night. And we're speaking on, are you ready for this? Accepting your God-assigned place. This is a study guide. It's free. Did you know that? All you have to do is go to our website, renner.org. You can download it and you should. Because this week, every night we're going through this. This is what I'm teaching in the regular TV program. But tonight and this week, we're all discussing this subject. And it comes with a great study guide, Accepting Your God-Assigned Place. The back of it says it's time for you to step into your full-color experience. God bless you. That's what happens when you do the will of God for your life. Your life becomes full-color. And this week, we're also offering my book called The Point of No Return. You know what the back says? Adventure, adventure, beyond anything you've ever imagined, awaits for you. You're at a crossroads in your life, and you know it. If you're ever going to step out and obey what God's asking you to do, it's now or never. The point of no return. Aren't you guys glad we all said yes to the will of God? Yes. Amen.
0: But I have a question.
1: Yes. The series that we're talking about
0: tonight is Accepting Your God-Assigned Place. Yes. So many people say, if God would just tell me what to do, I would do it. But this sounds like it's not so easy to accept
3: what God tells you to do. Well, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. There's different kinds of callings. I wanted to pick up a little bit on yesterday's program. Sure. Because I didn't get to say something. You guys were talking so much, I didn't get to say something. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Maybe I'll get to talk a little bit tonight. So, Paul had a burden for the Jews. He did. But he wasn't... That wasn't his primary call. No. He had a burden for the Jews, but that wasn't his primary call. So, in obedience... To his calling, he eventually focused on the Gentiles, or the nations, but initially he had a pull towards the Jews, or what he had a burden for. And what am I I getting at? Sometimes there are things that we have a burden for, that we want to do, that we like to do, that Mm. we enjoy to do, and it's very easy to confuse that burden... With a call for a call. That is such a good It's point. not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I hear people say, I have such a burden for this or for that. And when you, words, when you use the word burden, it sounds real religious. Immediately it sounds like the calling of God. Uh, but people are saying that they have a pull towards something. They enjoy doing this. or there's, there's something that's very attractive to them and not necessarily attractive like they like it, but that's, you know, that's, it's where their heart is. And then they say, well, I'm not doing that anymore because my heart's not in it anymore. Well, if we look at Paul's calling, his heart was in one place, but his calling was in a different place. And, and it seems like that could be difficult for many people. We have to learn to balance that and understand that where the Lord tells us to be and what we're naturally drawn towards... They may not be the same thing. ...is not necessarily the same thing.
1: And sometimes when you have a burden, it's not to do, it's to pray. Mm. But Paul's calling actually led him away from the Jew, primarily to the Gentile. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't reach the Jew. He had a three-pronged call. Mm -hmm. Number one, foremost, Acts 9, 15, Gentiles. Gentiles. Number two, kings. Number three, if you have time for it, Jews. Jews. But it took Paul five years to work through all of that. I'm sure in that five years, it must have felt like an eternity. In fact, if you had been one of Paul's partners in those first five years, you probably wouldn't want to support his ministry because he didn't have any good reports. He was run out of one town. He was stoned in another town, thrown in jail in another town. Very little fruit. And who persecuted him? The Jews. The people he wasn't supposed to go to. He was focusing on the wrong group, and he didn't have a grace there. Now, along the way... Gentiles, I say it was periphery evangelism, they would accidentally hear him and they would all say, oh, this is awesome. Please tell us more. Please stay. We want to hear more. And Paul was kind of like, what? I don't want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to the Jews. And it took him five years to finally figure it out. And by the time that he got to Corinth in Acts chapter 18, he finally figured it out. Now, when you come to Acts chapter 18, you guys want to turn there? Sure. Acts chapter 18, verse 1, listen to what it says. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. After these things, it's talking about five years of very frustrated ministry. Finally, after all of these things, he came to Corinth. ay ay, ay! there was not a worse place in the world for a Jew to go to than Corinth. Corinth, you've got to be kidding. It was the cesspool of the world at that time. It was the gutter hole. It was the gutter. Okay, why was Corinth such a bad place? You know, let me no, let me. No, I want to say something. Sometimes people say, oh, the Corinthians, they were so carnal. You read the book of Corinthians, first and second, they're so carnal. You know what? The whole city was carnal. The city was reestablished by Julius Caesar in honor of the goddess Aphrodite, because he believed he was a descendant of Aphrodite. Well, Aphrodite was the goddess of sex and streetwalkers and prostitutes, and he couldn't get anybody to come help reestablish the city, so he gave free land to sailors, soldiers, legionnaires, so the roughest men of the whole empire showed up in a city dedicated to sex. Now, you can just imagine what kind of town that was. It was filled with swindlers, bandits, thieves. I mean, the Bible is so explicit about what kind of people lived in Corinth and it was located between two ports, a port on the west side, a port on the east side. And because it was kind of stuck between the east and the west and it was a city dedicated to sex, it became the center of sex industry. And what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. It's kind of like what people say about Las Vegas. You can go there, do whatever you want, nobody ever knows. People came from the west, they came from the east, they imbibed themselves on everything they wanted in Corinth. It was just a terrible place. And just above Corinth was a mountain, and on the top of that mountain it was called the Acrocorinth, was the very peak of Corinth, and there was the temple to Aphrodite. It just lorded itself over the whole region. It was a dark, disgusting place. Now, for a Jew who didn't like Gentiles, I cannot imagine a worse place to show up. And when he walked into town, he was alone. But then something very amazing happened. As he walked into town, Acts 18 verse 2 says he ran into a couple.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and that couple was named Aquila and Priscilla, and the Bible says they had lately come from Italy. Lately come means right then at that exact moment. Well, they'd been kicked out of Rome because Claudius gave the order for all Jews to be kicked out of Rome. They didn't know what they were going to do with their life. They were in the ministry traveling east, trying to figure out where to go. They're walking into Corinth, probably also wondering, what are we doing here? And as they walk on the main road into Corinth, They bump into Paul, who also, for the first time, is walking into Corinth. And here's the amazing thing. When you finally get where you're supposed to be, you'll begin to bump into all the people you need in your life. It's amazing. Provision begins to come on every level. When you finally get in the right place, God will bring you friends. He'll bring you a team. It's amazing what happens when you get in the right place. And Paul began preaching, and I want us to see what the Bible says. Are you guys there in Acts chapter? 18.
2: 18.
1: Look at verse 4. It says, He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, so he went into the synagogue like he always did, but this time something else happened. And persuaded the Jews and the who? Greeks. Greeks. Well, the word Jews in Greek refers to those who were of a Jewish faith and born Jewish. The word Greeks is the word Helen. It describes pagans. Well, for the first time, Paul is speaking not just to Jews, but he has broadened his circle. And now he's beginning to speak to the Gentiles, pagans. His audience has suddenly increased. And for the first time in his ministry, he has no resistance. He's having wonderful results. Amazing things are happening when he finally turns his attention to the Gentiles. And then something happened. In chapter 18, verse 5, what happened? It says, And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Paul has not seen Silas and Timothy for months. For months, he's been living in Corinth, ministering with Aquila and Priscilla, Speaking to the Jews, but really starting to focus on who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. He's having great success. Then suddenly Silas and Timothy show up. And the Bible says at the moment they showed up, not before they showed up, but at the moment they showed up, Paul felt pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Well, when you read this in the King James Version, it says pressed in the spirit. Mm-hmm. But in Greek, it doesn't say that. What does it say? It says pressed. Oh, in God. the spirit was added later by translators. It says just pressed. And guess what the word pressed means? It means to be pressured, to be compelled, or to be manipulated.
2: Oh. My translation says compelled.
1: Compelled. But it's a bad kind of a compelling. Had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, when Silas and Timothy showed up, Paul felt under pressure to change what he was doing. And I believe that probably what happened is Timothy and Silas who had been traveling with Paul all these years and they had seen him year after year after year city after city after city going to the Jews the Jews, the Jews, the Jews, the Jews they showed up and they said what in the world is he doing? This is not what he does. He always tries to reach the Jews. What's he doing talking to all these Gentiles? He has changed his focus. And I believe they probably said to Paul, what in the world are you doing? Have you forgotten who you are? You are a Jew. Why are you giving all this attention to those Gentiles? You're a Jew. You know how to talk to Jews. And at the very moment they arrived is when he felt pressed, compelled, pressured, manipulated. And what did he do? He went back and began to focus on the jews again but five years had already proven he didn't have a grace to talk to the jews now, he didn't have that grace
0: aquila and priscilla they came from rome is that right they came from rome because nero was persecuting
1: christians claudius claudius i'm sorry who were aquila and priscilla were they jews Aquila and priscilla were leaders in the church of rome and when they left rome i'm sure they felt like they had lost everything they didn't know what they were going to do but this is a great example of romans 8 verse 28 which says God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That does not mean that God arranges everything, but it means God is so good that even when the devil does something against us, God says, Satan, you're going to regret what you did because I'm going to make this turn into the good for that person. And though Aquila and Priscilla left feeling they had lost all, God fixed it that they bumped into Paul on the road. Only God could do that. God was making it work together for their good. But hey, let's go on. The Bible says that Paul tried to preach to the Jews, and guess what the Jews did? They began blaspheming and cursing. Wow! They did not want to hear what he had to say. It was the same thing he'd experienced for five years. Again, he was hitting his head against the wall, trying to reach people that did not want to be reached. It wasn't his grace. And so the Bible tells us that Paul shook his raiment and walked off. Well, to shake your raiment, the word shake means to violently shake. And really this is in response to what Jesus taught in Mark 6:11 where Jesus said, "Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them." When Paul shook the dust off of his feet, it was an indictment against them because they didn't want to hear one word that he had to say. And in 18, verse 6, Paul says, listen to this, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. And the Greek phrase, I am clean, I would translate it like this. I have finally gotten you out of my system, and I am free of you. It took five years to get it out of his system. Paul must have really had it. He said, let your blood
0: be on your own hands. I have already done everything I could. He was probably just up to here
1: with trying to help the Jews. I'm done. I'm fed up with this. And then he makes this funny statement. He says, from henceforth, I will go to the Gentiles. I've made a decision. Well, that's what he was supposed to do from day one. From day one, Jesus said, number one, foremost, above everything else, I've called you to the Gentiles. Five years later, he says, you know what? I have finally got this Jewish thing out of my system. I think I'm just going to go to the Gentiles. You know, sometimes it just takes you a while to wake up to what you're supposed to do. And Paul, from that moment forward, went to the Gentiles. In fact, guess what? When he says, from this moment forward, guess what the Greek says? The Greek says, noon, which means right from this very moment. The word apo describes a separation, mm. a distinction. Paul says, right from this moment, I'm making a decisive separation from this moment now and forward. My focus is going to change. Mm. And his focus became the Gentiles. And when he began to focus on the Gentiles, guess what happened? people begin to get saved amazing things miracles. begin to take place miracles in fact you guys guess what else this is why you have to read the whole bible when you read second corinthians chapter 12 paul says in corinth he had the signs of an apostle signs wonders it says mighty deeds in greek the word and is the word kai even mighty deeds these were spectacular things that happened and not one of them are recorded In the book of Acts. You don't read about one wonder that he did in Acts chapter 18. But by his own testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says the power of God showed up. When he finally got with the right people, doing the right thing, the anointing showed up because that's what his calling was. Mm -hmm. I want to say something about friends. You know, Silas and
0: Timothy came to him and he was impelled to go back to the Jews. Whenever we moved from Riga to Moscow, not all of our friends were with us. Oh, some of them thought we were crazy. When we moved to Riga from the United States, not all of our friends were with us. And I think it's very interesting that when your call changes, not all your friends will understand or go with you. And that that does not mean the call is wrong. It does mean that people will come alongside you in your new calling and really support you, and you guys will do amazing things together, and your friends will be proud of you, but maybe not immediately. And I think that should be encouraging to everyone. That's very good. Denise?
2: You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, your friends, people who see you, they have habitual thinking about you. Oh, well, this person, they do this. This person, they do that. And they, And it's like we put people in we little pigeonhole them. pigeonholes. You just do this and you do this. That's in our mind. And sometimes that person can be the voice of the enemy speaking to you because they say, no, 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 no. I have you here in my mind. I have you here in my habitual thinking about you. I don't have you over there. And they can, I mean, the enemy can use them just because of what they are used to.
1: But Denise, it doesn't mean they're evil. No. Sometimes they're really your family and your friends. Right. And they look at you, they didn't hear what you heard. Mm -hmm. You're the one that heard from God, they didn't. They didn't experience that. No. They didn't experience what you've experienced. And so when you tell them what you're about to do, they might say, what? And out of real concern, they might say, you know what? I don't think you're supposed to do this. They might try to talk you out of it and really be very sincere. It doesn't mean they're evil. No. The devil may use them, but they don't know they're being used by the devil. They might just be friends expressing a concern.
3: Paul? That's why I think it's important when you have an urge to give someone, share your thoughts or give someone... uh, uh, I'm losing words. Your opinion. Your opinion. Thank you. Share your opinion. I think it's important that you listen, listen to someone. Listen all the way to the end. Make sure you really understand what it is that they're trying to tell you. And if you don't agree with them, uh, maybe you should ask some questions before you share your disagreement. Like, tell me again, why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. I was in a meeting once with someone that it was, it, 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 it was just, a, it, it was waiting to explode. The conversation was just waiting to explode. One wrong, wrong word. And it would have become an explosion that would have sent ripples through other events and other meetings. And it would have become, it would have been rumored through other places. You could just feel that there's an explosion about to happen. Uh, and, and it was a little, it was like he was pushing on me a little bit to to, to to light that match and explode the conversation. Who was pushing? The person I was speaking to. Okay. And it was, it was, it was a type of setting that I couldn't really get out of. And so instead of responding to his questions, I said, you feel so strongly about this. Why do you feel so strongly about this? And he started sharing his heart. And all of a sudden, instead of the conversation exploding and us becoming enemies, he shared his heart. He had some real strong experiences that I had never heard before. Wow. And so instead of us becoming enemies, we actually kind of helped each other, made made a connection there. That's awesome. So before you, you know, bring out your, come with your judgments or your ideas, I always think it's better to ask another question, ask another question, ask another question. And is your opinion really needed? I mean, it's not always necessary.
1: And Ah. you know, also you have to really know what you're called to do. You, You have to really know, Peter wrote in his epistle, to make your calling and election sure. I think that's important. I really know what we as a family are called to do. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to respect other voices, to respect family. Our family has been very supportive. But sometimes they didn't understand. And rather than just shut them down, I love them. I want to hear what they have to say. And even if they don't see what I see, they always have something valuable to communicate. You can walk away with every conversation with something helpful. But Paul was distracted from his call because Silas and Timothy showed up. In this book, The Will of God, The Key to Your Success, there's a whole chapter called, Don't Take a Detour from God's Plan. Mm -hmm. Don't take a detour. Now, if you've already taken a detour, the good news is you can get back on track. It's not over. You can get back on track. But it's better not to take a detour. Paul had taken a five-year detour Finally in Corinth, he was speaking to the right people, doing the right thing. Then Silas and Timothy showed up. He felt pressured and pushed to go back into his old pattern. So he did it, but he didn't do it for long. Very quickly he said, I'm done with this. Already been there, done that, not doing this again. And he redirected. And guys, guess what happened? When Paul redirected to the Gentiles, the funniest thing happened. It says, we're going to see this in tomorrow night's home group, but it says, Paul left the synagogue and departed into a man's house who joined hard to the synagogue. I think that is so funny because Paul's making this big statement, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Well, how far did he go? He went to the next door. (laughs) He didn't go very far. And from where he was, he could catch the Jews that were on the way to the synagogue. So he hadn't totally worked it out of his system. He went far enough to be out of the synagogue. He was transitioning into the will of God and close enough to still catch on to some of those Jews. And the Bible says that Crispus, who was the leader of the synagogue, got saved and many Corinthians. That's what you're going to see in our home group tomorrow night. Corinthians refers to the pagans in the city. That word Corinthians does not refer to Jews. The Bible clearly tells us when he's talking about Jews, the word Corinthians refers to those low-level, dirty, disgusting Jews in Corinth. They began to get saved. Gentiles. Gentiles. Because Paul was finally in his grace. That's what happens when you accept your God-assigned place. Grace comes, or you position yourself to live in God's supernatural power, provision, and protection. Joel i think about obedience.
0: The Bible says obedience is more important than sacrifice. Oh, it does say that. And I think being obedient to your
1: call is more important than doing something else sacrificial. And you know what? You think you're giving up so much when you're obedient. But when you're obedient, guess what happens? Isaiah chapter 1 says, if you're willing and obedient, what? You'll eat the good of the land. Power comes, protection, provision. Think if we had not obeyed God with our call. We'd be sitting in America wondering what we missed. But you know what? We haven't missed anything. We've had a life of adventure. We have lived in the book of Acts. Denise, our kids grew up in the book of Acts. They missed nothing. Would you agree, Paul?
3: Oh, 100%. And I, when I, I know that our program's ending, but a little bit about Timothy. Eventually, Timothy became the pastor, the pastor of, of, a of a Gentile church. He did. so. Whatever influence what there was at that moment, he caught on pretty quick. And by the way, when you're
1: obedient, your obedience eventually will have a ripple effect. It'll include other people like yeah. Timothy. Yeah. Oh, this has been so good we're out of time. But hey guys, if you need prayer, please write us prayer at runner.org or call us 1-800-742-5593. We want to hear from you so we can pray for you. And please comment, comment, comment on all social media because I'll read all of your comments in the morning after I read my Bible. I really read what you write to us, and I want to say thank you. But we'll be back tomorrow night. And guys, tomorrow night we're going to find out about the divine protection that comes to you when you finally accepted your God-assigned place. That'll be good. Awesome. See you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.
0: Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.